Hey, Happy New Year. It's uh, good to be with you. I've just been down uh, to King Centro, down in the town centre. We're on the pier in the ocean rooms, looking back over Beachhead one way and looking back over the town. They were hiring the, the pier this morning. Uh, very windy, almost got blown all the way back to Hamden Park. So it's great to be with you and it's great to be able to speak really on the, I don't know, on the first Sunday of, of this year. I just want to add support and weights really. Uh, Ollie just mentioned about signing up for being a part of a group. Now this isn't just leader speak, someone on the stage going, hey, be a part of a group, it's really important. This is genuinely, we have this belief that being a part of community is essential and critical. And so we invite you to look through here, look through the magazine, be a part of, uh, you know, we have many different styles of groups. Uh, find one that you like. Commit yourself into it. Be a part of it. Uh, we see a big difference from people who can kind of like somehow uh, sit a little bit out on the edge for a while, that's okay. Come and find out what the crowd is about. But before long, it's not a great place to stay. You need to get into the core. You need to get into the heart of the church. We have it on good authority, anecdotal, not scientific, that lives are impacted more as a result of being a part of one of the groups. Uh, you will be blessed as a result. You will be supported as a result. You will be cared for. You will be prayed for. Uh, people say, what is the pastoral structure in the life of the church? The number one place that you will find that support is in one of the groups. So please, I know what happens is that the leaders come up here and you listen to about 4% of the things that we say. Because we know that, because, oh yeah, yeah, Ollie stands up and goes, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a thousand people here on Tuesday? Yes, 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 it would be, as long as I'm not one of them. Yes, I totally agree. Wouldn't it be amazing if we filled this place out on Tuesday night? Can I encourage you that you are one of the people who is here on Tuesday night as well? But uh, please sign up into one of the groups. You will be cared for. You will be supported. You will receive that blessing. You know, so much happens under the radar. Uh, food is provided for new mums or people who are sick. Furniture is being donated. Uh, flats are getting filled up with furniture. Cars are being given. Holidays are being paid for. Carpets are being fitted. There is incredible kindness within this community, a lot of it under the radar, and we want you to be a part of that, either to receive or to be one of the people who are giving that blessing towards others. Groups are also a fantastic place for you to grow. We want you to grow. Ask the question here, who this year, okay, okay, I'm talking to the Christian here right now, if you're a Christian, who wants to grow in your relationship with God this year? That's, that's an awkward question, okay? Because you look around, you go, I've got to put my hand up because everyone else is putting my hand up. Okay, so let me ask another question. Who doesn't want to grow in their relationship with Jesus this year? That's great, okay? Fantastic. So I'm working on the assumption, because you've given me the permission now, to talk to you this morning about how we grow as Christians this year. How does 2018, when we roll into 2019 next year, you can reflect back and you say to yourself, what difference has happened this year which has helped me, which has encouraged me to grow in my relationship with God? Okay, that, that, is, that is where I'm heading this morning. 
somebody came up to me a little while back, a little bit confused, agitated, and they said, what is the vision of the church? Now, if you're new to Kings, let me explain, because you might not have heard what the vision is. If you're old to Kings, you still might not have any idea what the vision of the church is. But we've tried to make it simple, okay, because <laughs> that helps me. So we've narrowed it down to four words, okay? Introducing people to Jesus. That is the heart and the vision of this church. So if you're part of a team, uh, if you're part of the car park team this morning, I know that you love wearing those high-vis jackets that make look really cool. But it's not about the high-vis jackets, it is about Jesus. You might be part of the kids' team. It's not about looking after the kids. It is about wanting these kids to come to a place where they meet Jesus. You might be part of the conversational English group, helping people who have recently moved from other nations into this community. It isn't about teaching English. It is about introducing them to Jesus. Why do we have 200 plus teenagers come into Unit 27 nightclub every month? Why? It's not just because we want to provide a nightclub experience for young people. Ultimately, we are wanting to introduce them to Jesus. If you're part of the knitting group with Ollie, <laughs> if you are part of the knitting group, it is not about the knitting or the patterns or the needles. It is about meeting Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we run these focus groups. That's why we run these bumps to babies groups. That's why we do what we do. Because we have this underlying belief that if you meet Jesus, then your life will change. There was a man who was a tax collector. He was really disliked. Tax collectors were not liked around the time of Jesus. And uh, he was kind of ostracized because of the nature of his job. He wanted to meet Jesus. He went along the roadside. He was a short guy. Couldn't get to the front of the queue. So he climbed up a tree. Jesus came by. Jesus stopped, looked at Zacchaeus, spoke, interacted with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm coming to your house. Salvation is coming into your house today. Everyone else around grumbled and moaned. Why can Jesus be spending time? He's not worth it. He doesn't deserve it. There's more deserving people than him. And, and Zacchaeus, you know, Zacchaeus immediately says... <laughs> It wasn't prompted. I love Zacchaeus' response. He says, Jesus, I'm going to give everything, half of everything I've got, I'm going to give away to the poor. And if I've cheated or defrauded anyone, they're going to get four times back the amount I defrauded them out of. That is someone who has been changed as a result of an interaction with Jesus. And that can happen with every teenager who comes into Unit 27. That can happen with every child who comes in. And that can even happen with every person who comes to knit one, pearl one, knit one. Even the knitters can meet Jesus and have their life changed. And that's why we're here. Jesus actually had it even shorter. The mandate that he gave, two words. He said this, make disciples. That is why we're here, to make disciples. A disciple is a follower of Jesus, okay? So it's not about taking disciples and moving in disciples. It's about making disciples. People have zero interest, zero reference point in Jesus. And how do we help them to grow into full-on followers of Jesus? You might have noticed that we are living in a society today that has very little regard for organized religion. It doesn't want to know. It has no reference point, it has no relevance, uh, has no interest, no knowledge, no experience. To be honest, I don't really care. Yet we know, and there's hundreds of people here this morning, who say, do you know what, knowing Jesus has actually made a massive difference in our life, and it's amazing news, and we need to look for ways of getting a little bit cleverer, a little bit wiser, of how do we 
get to a community that is disengaged from these wonderful truths that we found out about Jesus, how do we bring them to the point where we get them to meet him? Because when, we, when they meet him, we have this belief that their life will change as a result. So some of that is about building community. In fact, a lot of that is about building community. So a number of years ago, we felt as if God said to us, start to build uh, authentic, real, genuine, loving, welcoming communities into different local areas. So we went across to Seaford and established a, a new church across there. And then we went down into the town centre a few years later in 2013. Obviously, we have what's going on here. Because what we're trying to do is trying to build a, a community and grow a community that is so attractive, so beautiful, so different from what everything else is being offered that people say, do you know what? I might not believe what you believe, but there's something about what you're doing that I want to be a part of. Uh, Ollie's good friend, his, his friend recently came along to an event. And, and, he, and he just said this, look, I'm so jealous about what you've got. In terms of the community. It is very special. Now you might be just visiting in today, please, this is not blowing our trumpet here, it's not. If you are part of a church community, please be the difference in the communities that you come from. Uh, I get really only one or two opportunities every year just to share some heart stuff. I would love this community here to be the most welcoming, the most accepting, the most tolerant, the most inclusive community it is possible to be. So no one feels isolated. So no one feels disregarded. No one feels pushed out there. So the sign on the wall, as you came in today, that just says, welcome home. If this is the first time you've ever been here, we want you to feel as if you've come home. That's the heart. We want you to feel that. We want you to know that. We want you to experience that, whether you're front row, whether you're sitting on the back row, or somewhere in between. That this is a community that cares, and it makes a difference. So it really, you know... We've got an email. Now, you might be this person who sent this email, but if you are, thank you so much for sending it in. She was writing this to our parent and toddler group leaders, and she just emailed them recently. Just a quick message to say thank you so much for introducing us to Kings. We have never felt more at home and comfortable at a church. It truly feels like a family. Everyone makes us feel so welcome, and I think this is the place for me and my son to come. I love it when single mums and kids come along, when whoever it is who comes along, to feel that they can belong here. So simply being welcoming makes a profound difference. And so, do you know what? It really does work. Why don't you just look around now? You know, you, who's established in their seat for the last 10 years? Okay. Who's never moved from their seat? Okay. <laughs> look around. Okay. You have your favorite seats, I know. Look around. Who do you not recognize? Why don't you right now stand up, make a move and say, hello, I've never met you before. How long have you been coming? And they might say 10 years. <laughs> but that's okay. So come on, let's practice it right now because being welcoming makes all the difference. Someone you don't know is not your husband next to you. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, come and grab your seats back again. Come to find familiar territory. You can come back to your seats. <laughs> okay, who just ended up talking to that other half for the last two minutes? 
can it encourage you? It makes a difference. It makes a difference. We love the stories. They were here uh, in, in the earlier meeting here today. A young couple. A slightly older couple sitting over here right now. Bernie and Steve, they invited neighbours along to an event that we got here, that we held here, which was this fusion event between uh, the, the kids' work and the Inspire at the uh, alternative Halloween event. Come along to it. They came along to it. Loved it. Loved just being in community. So they came along the following Sunday and, you know, and a few Sundays afterwards, you know, just go, we love this. And at the interval, they, you know, the lady went up to Belinda and said, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. At the interval, I love intervals like that. Okay? The week later, her husband, before the interval, even before the meeting, he said, I'm ready. I want to give my life to Jesus. I love pre-meeting meetings like that. And then they said, okay, we're talking about getting baptised and we'd like to get baptised in the new year. Is that possible? It's like, we're, we're, okay, yes, I'm sure that's possible. <laughs> but you know what? Something has happened in their life. You know, so the, the Love Eastbourne project, it's great. They've picked it up. They're running with it ahead of schedule. They were down in the town centre uh, a short while ago and they saw a young girl... In their estimate, it was probably about 14 or 15 years of age, was sleeping rough. And so they wanted to do something and, and tried to offer food and didn't need the food. And, but in the end, because this girl was cold, uh, they bought her a hot water bottle and just got one of the local cafes to fill it up. And, and the cafe owner said, anytime she wants it filled up, get her to come back in, we will fill it up. You know, try to buy her food in the cafe. And the cafe owner said, is this for this girl? You know, just have it for free. Just, you know, I love it when people just want to join in. But something has just got inside them. They say, you know, we want to make a difference. We want to do something. And the following day after they met this girl, the, the little child, I don't know, six or seven, something like that, years of age, five, six years of age. Mum, we must go back. Can we go, can we go and see? The, can we go into town? Why do you want to go into town? We want to go and see if that girl is all right. And now they're planning and plotting and scheming about ways in which they can be kind of undercover ninja style blessing people in the community. A month ago, they weren't Christians. Meeting Jesus changes lives. Coming into a community, actively engaging already in lives, people inviting them around for meals, into groups, into the community life. Because we have this belief that if someone sticks around, you know, someone finds their way in, and if they stick around long enough, then they will change. And if I become a little bit more like Jesus... I've worked it out with my maths. If I become 5% more like Jesus this year, within 10 years, I'm halfway there. <laughs> within 20 years, I am Jesus. <laughs> Just to reassure you, that is theologically not sound, but I'm aware of that. But you know what? Who benefits? Well, I certainly benefit if I'm a bit more like Jesus, but my wife benefits. This community benefits, you benefit, this town will benefit as a result of me being a little bit more like Jesus. If I can change to be a little bit, just one degree, just one percent. Do you know, a one degree alteration in your course over a period of time will change the trajectory of your life. Just one degree. So what do you want to do this year? What do you want to achieve in 2018? 
It's always a great question to be asking at this time of the year. It's a time to reflect. Some of you are looking for new jobs or promotion or getting your degree or finding a relationship or losing weight. <laughs> Again. Look, I, you know, I don't follow many people on, on that Twitter thing, but it says this. I'll be happy if I accomplish nothing else in 2018 other than learning to pray more. And then someone else said, this year, I resolve to have a deeper walk with God who wants a deeper walk with me to calm down the pace of life for the sole purpose of seeing the face of God and to live a faithful life, be a faithful witness and glorify my faithful God. I just wanted to get thin. I just want to be, you know, and he's saying, look, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to look like, I want to sound like, I want to act more. I want to become more like Jesus. And that is saying I want to become more of a disciple, follower of Jesus. I want to be looking more like Jesus by the end of 2018 than I did at the end of 2017. And if that is true, then I need to do something about it. Because it isn't just a process of osmosis that happens just by standing around and something happens. Because it doesn't just happen. So if you want to grow more like Jesus this year, which I do, then I need to assess two key areas. Because if I can grow in these two areas, then I will grow as a Christian. And firstly, that key area is my relationship with God. Second one is my relationship with others. Now that is not rocket science. You've heard that. If you've been a Christian 20 years, you've heard that for 20 years. But there isn't a shortcut to it. Relationship with God, relationship with others. Now next week we are kick-starting a whole new teaching series creatively called 10. 10. 10. Okay, 10 ways to live life, how God wants us to live. You might know it as the Ten Commandments, but it's 10 ways to live out your life and to live in a way that God says, live like this, your life will be blessed. Jesus actually said, or at the time, you could summarize those 10 down to two, but having a two-week series is very short. But he said you could condense it down to love God, love others. Okay, Love God with everything you've got, okay? and then love others. Love, love your neighbor like you love yourself. So love other people at least as much as you love yourself. So the first bit of this was about relationship with God. If I don't actively develop, pursue a deeper understanding or relationship of knowledge with God, then there's no way I'm going to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Seriously, there's no way. I will end up simply going through the motions of doing what is expected of me without any real heart, without any real passion, without any real engagement, without any real interest. Anything else that comes along will completely distract me and will grab my attention. And that will only end in one of two ways. Firstly, it will become like a loveless marriage where you're only here for the sake of the kids. Sometimes literally, the only reason why some of you are here right now is for the sake of your kids. Or secondly, you will leave. You'll get up, you'll walk out the door. So for now, you will mumble the songs and you'll tip the offering and you'll stifle the yawn during the preach because I see it every time. (laughs) You know who you are. And I'll have a coffee if I have to. And I'll collect the kids if I have to. 
and I'll get out as quickly as possible and I'll say, I'll see you next week and you'll say, if I have to. But the relationship with God is not about doing church or doing prayer or doing deeds. A relationship with a spouse is not about doing chores. I tell my wife this every week. There's no fun in the chores. I tell my wife. So doing church for the sake of ticking off something on the list is just a chore. Now I know some of you write a list in order for you simply just to be able to tick it off. Because you love a list. But there's no fun in it. Well, maybe. (laughs) But the relationship with your wife is about, or your spouse or your husband, is about intimacy. It's about fun. It's about talking. It's about communicating, which is something my wife reminds me of every week. And I tell her every week not to be fooled by that vacant expression on my face. I really am listening intently. See, a relationship that is based on chores is dead. But like any relationship, it's easy to get into a rut and we have to make some active decisions about how are we now going to deliberately, intentionally look to get out of that rut. And if we're just given an honest, sober assessment of where we are in our relationship with God right now, some of you would say, do you know what? It's not only plateau, but it's like this. So what we're going to do? What's going to stop and bottom out and start to change it? (laughs) Just a 1% or 1 degree change. Just a simple choice decision. For some that might be saying, you know what, I'll sign up for one of those groups that they keep going on about. I might turn up on Tuesday night. I might get hold of my Bible and start to read it. For some of you, that's really tough. I I get that. You don't understand it. There's some really helpful apps and online stuff, commentaries. Bible in the year. It's not too late to start Bible in the year. You can start any time of the year. Bible in half a year if you want to go really hard. Or Bible in a year light and just go for the New Testament. What about prayer? I find prayer hard. Anyone find praying hard? (laughs) Look, I do. Some of you love it. And you can spend hours. And it makes everyone else feel rubbish. (laughs) Because it's like going, oh, I can't pray like that. That's just me. Brilliant if you can pray. Thank you. Keep praying. Pray for this church. Pray for this community. Pray for this town. Some of you are struggling that. Listen to these words of a chap called Smith Wigglesworth, who was a well-known Christian evangelist and speaker. He said uh, this somewhere. I've never prayed for more than 20 minutes at a time. I never went 20 minutes without praying. I love that model of continual prayer. Okay? That works better for me. So I don't pray for long periods of time, but I try not to go for long periods of time without praying. Tell him what's on your mind. Listen to what's on his mind. Ask you to do something. Give it a go. What about worship? About developing relationship with God, intimacy, friendship. Telling God what you think about him. He's worth it. Some of you go, oh, it's not about singing. I hate singing. I'm terrible singing. It's not about singing. 
It's about heart. What's your heart response? God, I want to thank you for the big stuff in my life. I want to thank you for some of the smaller stuff in my life. I want to thank you for the forgotten things in my life. Those things that you have done for me for the last 10, 20, 30 years. So the bottom line is, if you want to grow this year as a Christian and not just go through a routine, you need to make an active decision along with me to do something about it. And it won't just happen. We need to take time. And if you say, but Graham, I don't have time, I'm too busy, then simply you're just too busy. What's going to help you grow in your relationship with God? Because 1% or 1 degree is enough to reverse a negative trend. See, 1% growth this year will stop a decline. For some, that might even mean starting reading one chapter of the Bible a day, just praying for one minute a day, one intentional decision that you make today to live in a way that honours God. That 1% could make all the difference and change the ongoing trajectory of your life. Just one degree. And the second area that I reckon we can grow this year is our relationship with others. And to be honest, this is sometimes where it gets really tough. Because I don't believe that we were created to live in isolation or in independence, but in a community, a real community. Not an online community with like have a million followers, but a real genuine community of real live breathing people. Let me give you a new command, Jesus said. <laughs> Love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love that you've got for one another. It is the outworking of love for God that is worked out in your relationship with others. So the lawyer went to Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus knew there was a trick that was coming up trying to trap him. And Jesus said back to him, well, what does the law say? You're a lawyer, what does the law, what does the law of God say? And he says, well, love God with all your heart and love your neighbours yourself. And Jesus said, that's fine, go and do that. And the lawyer said, okay, Jesus, who exactly is my neighbour? So Jesus said there was once a man who was heading out on a trip and that man got beaten up. And there were some people you would expect to help came by. They didn't help, they didn't help support him at all. Then one day, do you know those group of people you don't like called the Samaritans from Samaria? He came along and, and he saw this man who was beaten up on the ground and he went to his aid and supported him, bandaged his wounds, picked him up, took him to the local uh, hotel, put him up, paid for him. If there's any more to be paid for at the end of this, I'll come back up. He was completely inconvenienced put out of his way and then at the end of the story Jesus said back to him so then there you go who's the neighbour and he reluctantly said well I guess the Samaritan did what we're meant to do Jesus had gone do the same anyone who's in disadvantage anyone the love that you've got for God is going to be outworked in the love that you show towards one another So if we can grow 1%, 1 degree, in my attitude, my response towards you, if you can change 1 degree or 1 attitude, 1% towards responding to each other, then guess what? At the end of that, it's all going to add up and it's going to make a difference. It's going to impact and we're going to show more of Jesus because we're all becoming a little bit more like him. Uh, I love this. Paul, one of the early church leaders, he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5, he said this, Gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted. Okay. <laughs> who identifies with one of those categories? Okay. Who's a straggler and who is exhausted? Okay. Look, there's a handful of exhausted, straggling people right now. 
Because some of you are lone parents who are doing an amazing job, but you're absolutely shattered. And we want to support you. There's some people who are looking after elderly parents with heavy demands in terms of health care. We want to support you. We want those who are out on the edge, who are struggling, straggling. Gentle encouragement. <laughs> that, that, that isn't a euphemism for, you should be doing better. That really is gentle encouragement. Someone's ill, make them a meal. Practical suggestion, don't post it to the letterbox, leave it on the doorstep. <laughs> make a meal, deliver it. Support, care. By the love that you've got one for, for one another, people will know that you're his disciples. But that's in a way, it's kind of easy, internal, easier, <laughs> easy. It's easier, internal, to cut the slack, to not try and promote yourself. Paul, middle of chapter 12 of Romans, he said this, look, don't try to get ahead of yourself. Don't try to push yourself to the front. Don't try to make advantage while other people get disadvantaged. We're all in this together. We're like a huge body. And what's the point of like some toe or some finger that is living in isolation? We're all connected and we're all equally important. So don't push yourself forward. Look for the advancement of other people. Then he went on in that same passage and he said this, bless your enemies, make friends with the nobodies, don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone, don't insist on getting even. If you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. If he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. So the question is, in terms of how am I growing this year, Am I overspilling with kindness and generosity towards others who are not like me, who perhaps don't even like me, and I may never get to know me? The Love Eastbourne Initiative, which launches today, is a brilliant way of saying, you know what, I just want to overspill and bless those people who I might never meet, ever. But I'm going to do it anyway. They might speak against me and doubt my motives, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because the blessing that I've received, I want to overspill and bless other people. See, there's 6,000 of these little chips. A thousand church community, six each. Two, three weeks, opportunity. You might go ninja style. Undercover, no one knows that it's happening. You might be some uh, boss of a company that you can do something. You might have initiatives, ideas that you can help, you can support. Just by simply being generous, you will make a difference in someone's life. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Uh, we went into partnership with Ian and Joe and Bloom Factory before Christmas. Whatever was bought in terms of uh, internet sales and things like that, in terms of bouquets of flowers, we will match that and we will give away bouquets of flowers and bunches of flowers at the end of January. So we've got 80 to 100 bunches and bouquets of flowers that we want to distribute to the lonely, the isolated and the hurting people in Eastbourne. We need some people who will become the couriers of those flowers to deliver them on our behalf. Please get involved. Please play your part in it. Why is generosity so important? I want to give three reasons very quickly. Firstly, it blesses someone. If you had a choice of, I want to be blessed or I don't want to be blessed, another interactive question right now, okay, you've got yes, no. Who wants to be blessed? 
Who says, no, I don't want to be blessed? Okay. So pretty overwhelming response that you want to be blessed, okay? Because it's a good thing. You want to be on the receiving end of a blessing. We'll get to you in a moment. So other people will be on the receiving end of your generosity. Second reason why generosity is so important is because it is something to do with our heart. Our heart changes as a result. That's why Zacchaeus, up a tree, on his way down to Jesus, says, I will give half of my things away. Because he knew that his heart had changed. Generosity is always about the heart. It's always ultimately an act of worship because we're wrestling. Do you like when you became a, before you became a Christian? It's all mine. This is all mine. This is all mine. This is everything I've got. And then suddenly you become a Christian and that gets challenged because you begin to hear and understand that it's not yours. In fact, none of it is yours. It's all his. And we start this wrestling of going, do you know what? This is all mine to a sense of obligation. I kind of feel obligated to do something with it. To a sense of obedience that maybe I'm being obedient with what is mine in order to give back to God. And then there's this journey that we go on to go, God, ultimately it's yours. So I was listening to a church pastor recently who said, God spoke to him and said, okay, if you're serious about that, I want you to give your house away. please, can I reassure you that I'm nowhere near that level of faith? (laughs) No orderly cue at the end, okay? But he gave his house away. In fact, not just the once, but three times now he's given his house away. And 27 cars. Because he's come to understand that it belongs to him, And he's just a steward of what is his. If God says, now I want you to deploy that resource in this way, he's learned to go, okay. So I find that hugely challenging, don't you? (laughs) Some of you go, no, not really. No, no, not challenging at all. I find it really challenging. So Belinda and myself, we go, come on, we've got to look at this. What does that mean for us? So, you know, because... We happily have been given into the life of the church. You know, when we didn't have a lot, we happily go into the life of the church. And when you know, we have more, we still want to give into it. And you're looking at that. And it's, you know, I'm not blowing trumpets. I'm not. I'm, we're on a journey. We're learning in this. So we felt earlier this year, God said, okay, not just give 10% of your gross income before tax and pension and everything. I want you to give 12%. Okay, give 12%. Okay. And then I want you to increase that by 1% every year. So we've worked out by the age of 131, we'll be giving everything away. Okay. That's our long-term goal. Okay. By the time we reach 130, uh, you know, we'll be living on about 90. You know, we'll be giving away about 99%. But God, we wanted you to know that it's yours. We want you to understand that it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, some of you are much further on than we are. We're learning this. We're trying to play catch up on it. Some of you have got many more stories of God's faithfulness. So as we come into land right now, the third reason why generosity is so important because it always grows faith in God. See, tithing is not an issue of the law. Bringing what is God's in the first place is an issue of faith. Abraham, in faith, tithes to the law. This is not a life thing. It's not a stage of life thing. It's not where you are whether you're in employment or not in employment, whether you're in receipt of benefit or not, whether you're a student or not, whether you're on pension or not. This is about a heart thing and a faith thing. 
say, God, I, I want to take you at your word. You, you say, your word says, you will supply all of my need. Help me to believe it. Now, one of the promises that you make right at the back end of the Old Testament, it's pretty close to the New Testament, within eight verses of the New Testament, God said this. He said, test me in this. If you bring your offerings into the storehouse, into what we would translate as the church community, if you bring that in, see that I don't open up heaven and your life will be so blessed. So who wants to be blessed by God? (laughs) This is how we're blessed by God. By stepping into his promises and taking him at his word. And I reckon there's probably a few people here who are not growing in God because this has become such an issue in your life because you're not giving. And maybe this year is the year where you start that journey like Belinda and myself. Because if there's ever going to be a reason why people fall out with me, and, and occasionally there are, okay? Uh, you know, occasionally people do fall out with me. Understandable most of the time. But occasionally... If, uh, Probably right at the top of the list why people will fall out with me the most is because I dare to talk about money. You know, you can challenge me about my marriage, my lifestyle, my kids, my sexuality, my porn addiction, but don't talk to me about money. Can I just reassure you, this is not about the money. It's not about the knitting. It's not about the boxing. This is about you growing in God. This is a discipleship issue. As a pastor of a church, this is a pastoral issue. Why? Because I want you to live and stand in the blessing of God. He's made the promise, not me. And we don't give in order to get. It's not some like warped, twisted, prosperity message gospel. We have this enormous privilege that we get to give. And the promise that comes with that is at sea. Why don't I just pour out the blessings and open up heaven into your life? God, because he wants someone like me and you to become good stewards. So if we handle the tens and the hundreds and the five hundreds well, he'll give us the thousands and the ten thousands. And when we handle the ten thousand and the fifty thousands well, he'll give us the hundred and the half a millions well. And when we handle that well, he'll give us the millions. It's just seeing whether we trust him. I want to grow. Father, help us this year to grow. We're living in a town, many of us in this town and community or surrounding areas that we love. I want to see the blessings spill out from here to bless others. So I genuinely believe that God has all of the resources necessary. We're living in a community that has massive need. He just wants someone standing in the middle to become the conduit of his blessing. So the church leader who gave away his houses and 27 cars, his church now give away $20 million away, just give it away. Okay, it's a slightly bigger church than ours. But if you scale it down, that's like us on top of everything else that we do and pay for and this, that and the other, we just simply give half a million pound away every year. So a church in Nottingham, Trent Vineyard, they went to their local council recently and said, we know of all the cutbacks, we know of everything that has gone on. 
What is the one thing that you would love to have which you can no longer afford and will pay for it? Don't you just love that heart? God, help us to be in a place where we can overspill in such a place. And the rest of that Malachi verse says this. All nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight. Message translation, you will be voted the happiest nation. You'll experience what it is like to be a country of grace. I want the town and the communities that we live in for other people outside to look in and go, what on earth has happened to Eastbourne? It's because they're receiving the blessing of God, overspilling and enriching their lives. And that will happen when I start to grow in my faith and in my heart towards God. So we're talking generosity. You've just had 11 minutes, 16 seconds of extra time right then. It's just spending a moment now. It's been application rich. I'm not talking about 90% change. I'm talking about just one or two changes. If you make those one or two changes in your life, that might be about your relationship with God. What are you going to do? Are you going to read? Are you going to be here on Tuesday night? Are you going to actively look to see how you can engage, build relationship with God? Switch off online stuff and switch on to God. It might be about signing up in on groups, committing to life. It might be about generosity. It might be for the first time you say, do you know what, we're going to start giving. Why don't you spend a moment now? God, what do I need to do in order to change this trajectory? Because if we get this right now, by 2019, more people will see Jesus as a result. And that's why we're here to introduce people to Jesus. You spend a minute now. Spend some time with God. Let's kickstart this. This is your first minute on him.